Hello and welcome back to the Murphy Corp podcast. Rachel sat down with Hazel Chapel this week. Now, Hazel is over in Austin, Texas, so this was a remote recording. So there is a few in and outs here. Do bear with us. We did as best as we could. Now, Hazel is incredibly passionate about healthcare and data in healthcare, and that really comes through. So we really do hope you enjoy this episode. from the UK, having lived there on and off for 22 years. Um, and I guess that's why I can now say more than ever, never say never, because certainly um, two years ago, this would have been far my expectations or, or plans, um, personally or professionally. So you got to seize that moment, I guess. Uh, you certainly uh, you certainly do. And, and would you mind sharing a little bit about um, about what prompted you to uh, to make the move. Yeah, so um, it was a family decision. My husband had the opportunity, having worked in London and the dreariness of the travel and all of that, um, had an opportunity to come out here and uh, basically be part of a, a, a new setup. So it was one of those things, well, he will go out first and see is the job that's been offered to him what he has been told it is. With the caveat that myself and our daughter would go every six weeks. So I just took the approach, well, I will go and see what I don't like about it, which was a bit of a different approach. It's an honest, honest approach. Yeah. Um, and for all that time, really, I couldn't find anything that I didn't like. I did at that you know, during those visits, get involved with and reach out to to people within healthcare. I did come to a conference over here and just to understand the lie of the land. So obviously from a family point of view, a decision had to be made, whatever that was. But certainly from a professional point of view, I just saw opportunities big, big time here. Um, and I was okay. Uh, eight months later, after my husband moved, we're good to go. So, sold up and did the Tom Sawyer over here seeking our fortune. Well, fantastic. Sounds uh, sounds very exciting. And um, what's the what's the kind of healthcare space doing out uh, out in Texas? Well, I'm glad that you actually focus on the word Texas because people ask me within the US and obviously there are many different stories going back as to what's going on out here. But Texas is very, very different in its in its um, own right for different reasons in terms of it is, you know, south of North America. Um, it is very, the culture is very, very different here in Texas. It's a very faith-based state. And yet Austin is um, perhaps one of the the most liberal cities of the state in itself. Um, I guess you can equate it perhaps to the UK in the sense that London's very different from uh, Yorkshire, etc. But certainly it is, um, there's, I felt when I first came here, there's lots of opportunity in terms of uh, supporting the digital maturity, but equally looking at what is happening that is different from the 
rest of the U.S., Austin itself is a city that is on steroids economically and for innovation. So it's not about the Dells of the world being here in the city. It's a very, very exciting time. I will say in Austin, in addition to in Texas, where there are very poor parts, a lot of focus going on in telehealth for those that are remote um, cities. And of course, then you have Dallas and and Houston, which are very different again um, in terms of the health economies. So philanthropy, you know, a good mix to absolutely uh, be curious about subject to what your focus is. Yeah, sounds fantastic. And I, um, I'm, I'm interested in the the telehealth piece. We're we're doing a piece of work at the minute with a company called Visionable, who um, who are a um, you know they've kind of grown up their market in the UK, but but I know are working across the US uh, and India, um, and and have a kind of formidable offering around uh, telehealth. You know they're running a um, an East of England service for stroke patients. Um, but also things like smart ambulances and and 5G. And I think that whole market, um, you know, the kind of almost commoditization of appointments and interaction with clinicians has really taken off in the UK. And you're obviously seeing seeing similar things in Austin. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is, Rachel, I'm so excited to see about that opportunity that you're working with. And it's something that I really would like to, you know, discuss about bringing it over here because there is certainly an opportunity. So I'm very involved as well in innovation companies coming in, not just from UK, from Ireland. And I'm being nudged as somebody who is on the ground. Hazel, how can we make this happen and really help support navigate some of those companies or at least marry up with what some needs would be here um, in Texas. So um, there are many offerings, but to hear what your focus is and the whole being non-clinical cardiac, cardio arena and stroke, etc., would be of massive interest. Uh, 5G here, I was at a talk actually a few months ago on what the the objectives of and what the key areas for uh, 5G are and first responders without doubt is, is um, you know, already in place, for example, in Houston um, and already developing its presence here in Austin. So, yeah, let's talk more about that. That sounds like a, a follow-on conversation. Yes. So, in way of um, in way of business change, Hazel, I uh, I want. Okay, so this is where the remote podcasting let us down a little bit, but as you could probably guess, Rachel's question to Hazel is about business change and what she believes business change means to her. People, and we hear the, the you know the old analogy of the people, the processes, and the IT, which is very true, but. There's a lot more to it. Um, There's a lot more I see it as being, apart from actually implementing and driving change to enhance patient outcomes and to bring value to the market. It's very much to me um, about leadership 
and how that le- what role that leadership plays within the change management arena, um, beginning, for example, from the readiness of it all, what's called now change readiness and looking at how ready is an organization to change and what transformation will that bring in, ad- in addition as well to the operational readiness. So we take organizations like Cleveland Clinic who focus totally on that. To me, business change is more than just managing the business. It's about supporting the leadership with that change. Um, HIMS did actually mandate last uh, last conference in Orlando that not to have somebody with change experience as part of your C-suite will be the beginning of a journey to failure. So, and I, I mean, I totally, totally agree with that. But good to see, uh, you know, an external organisation so plugged into the kind of, you know, the mechanics of healthcare mandating that. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because I guess it goes back to the the old um, phrase, you know, hindsight's uh, hindsight's great, but foresight is better. And when I was working in the UK, there are many organisations, you know, after they've implemented or they're trying to sustain sustain that change, uh, the questions I would pose were what would have been the barriers or the challenges that you would have had. So it's about also leadership playing a role in that communication. But what is that communication? How effective is it? What we can all use these words on a very ad lib, but to actually be part of it and on the ground and seeing the, the successes or the lack of engagement or whatever is absolutely fundamental to driving that change. Yeah, I would, uh, I would absolutely agree with that. Um, and, you know, I've, I've worked in a number of organisations where people have paid lip service to business change but haven't really been prepared, you know, to put in the hard graft and kind of hold that line when, you know, when, when the challenge comes. Um, I, I wondered if, if you'd had similar experience. Oh, yes, absolutely. And really what then, I guess, what the outcome or what, what organisations are saying now at this later stage of not having actually taken it seriously at the beginning is either... Uh, slowness in adoption. Uh, we hear about physician burnout now, and you know I'm actually liaising with um, people in class and with American Medical Association as it's top on their agenda as well. And it's really yet again the old phrase: if we had known then what we know now. I had a conversation with the CEO of Jefferson Health recently, and what his thoughts are changed. And Hazel, this has just caught me millions to fix. So people do see it. It's a conversation here that perhaps needs more clarity. Why would, you know, my question to them is, if you're actually spending $10, are you aware that you can save 20 down the road? It might be seen as an extra expenditure to begin with, but the benefits financially in terms of and the value as well, value not just financially, value 
emotionally and also as well from the staff on the ground and in terms of how how are they all going to get together to embrace and drive that change cohesively and collectively in an organisational way as a totality. Uh, yeah, and I think the days of assuming you can put new processes in, put new IT systems in without um, you know, having business change sit at the heart of that, thankfully, um, are, you know, are, I wouldn't say a distant memory, but people have started to recognise the importance of, of including business change rather than thinking about it as an afterthought, like, you know, training used to be. Yes, and I would completely echo that. And when I saw that you were looking to do these podcasts on business change, Truly, I lit up because it's these conversations that need to be echoed louder and greater. I have been involved in, I have spoken to people and I have seen that it doesn't make a difference how good or bad the IT is. It is a known fact that processes in whatever networks, be it internally or greater, will change. But yet, if the right people in the right roles aren't engaged, change will not take place either at the rate that is expected or at the actual, the change will not take as planned as set out from what the initial vision was. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And what about kind of pulling this back to, you know, back to a personal angle? Um, you know, where, where in your career have you achieved business change, Hazel? So back in the good old days when I joined Connecting for Health, um, I basically went in as a, a post-mom job and I got a feeling for obviously what, what was needed um, and the change that was required to drive that the implementations of the EHRs, et cetera. And from there then I became responsible for Harfordshire business as usual in terms of driving the change and the adoption for system one within Harfordshire. And to me, it was very clear things were just really beginning to um, come at me in terms of the people and the lack of motivation and really where was the communication. So it became, then came more of a passion on there are key people there who could be so powerful in actually motivating colleagues, empowering them to realize their own potential. And for that reason, then I became much more involved. And I, I'm very thankful that I was allowed for the role to morph in more of a leadership one per implementation. Um, and that drove me then basically somebody... Uh, who I admire greatly said to me, Hazel, you seem to be a big fish in a small pond here, which is why I set up Cartron Consulting with a focus on supporting business change as part of the whole NHS digital transformation. Um, and I am delighted to say that I found my passion <laughs> at a later stage in life rather than being that younger 16-year-old who knew exactly what they wanted to do. But 
setting up my own consulting company enabled me to get involved in, for example, one of the first um, digital transformation observations, e-noting in Guy's and Thomas's. Um, and I have to admit, that's where I saw fantastic how communication worked so effectively because how they engaged everybody on the ground as part of an agile deployment was really, really impressive. Um, and it's enabled me to also stand back and realize how this can be done better, but equally as well, championing those parts that were being very successful. It's, um, it's so powerful um, for, for, for me too, seeing, you know, business change, the conceptual business change, putting an IT system in at the centre of the healthcare system, um, you know, is, is, is a powerful thing. The impact of seeing it with frontline staff, uh, with clinicians and with patients is, uh, is something else. And I can, I can almost hear this step change when you were talking there about Guy's and St. Thomas's. Uh, sounds, uh, sounds like a really impressive program. Yes, it is. And, um, well, you know, it, it got quick adoption early because of how it, it was being managed. And, and that includes going back as well to the actual leadership that was in place and driving it because everybody knew what the clear direction of travel was. And, you know, that that's what I continue to see. I'm very, very... Um, there's a great CIO here locally in Austin of um, Dell Medical School, and he is one of those uh, key leaders who embraces, who's empowers, who's humble. Um, and of course, I've had the privilege of working with and hearing and being uh, associated with some of them in the UK as well. And it was really on the back of that, um, thanks to Richard Corbridge, that uh, I was invited to be the change advisor on the eHealth Ireland committee as well. And now that that is the Slauncher Care strategy is being implemented, um, I'm in a position to take my experience and be able to advise on that um, in a very positive way. He's a, he's a formidable character, Richard. We, uh, we've done some work for uh, the Leeds Teaching Hospital before, but, but on a personal level as well. You know, I've known uh, Richard for a number, number of years, and um, he, you know, he's somebody who will, you know, brings all of himself uh, to whatever he's doing. We're trying to convince him he needs to join us for a podcast so hopefully this will uh, twist his arm. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> We're watching him. Absolutely. And, and what about when business change doesn't go quite so well, Hazel? Have you experienced it where, you know, things um, haven't, uh, haven't gone as, as planned or as hoped? Oh, yeah, very much so. Um, and that's where I've been brought in at different stages. And basically, Hazel, can you fix it? And yet again, it's ironic, but some of the, I mean, I, I look at the assessment and, and see where and what and what risks have been identified and looking at the mitigation of those, et cetera. But it really always boils back to one key area. It's the people. And I very much, that's when while I will support leadership in an executive role, but I'm somebody who is always happy to get in and get down mean and dirty. And I like talking to those people to understand 
what are their problems? What what constraints do they have? What is keeping them awake at night, which is perhaps, you know, being barriers to the overall execution of this change? And it's very, very interesting, actually, because either my experience is some of them feel that they haven't been brought in and engaged properly, and um, they feel that they can give more. They still have that passion, but... I've identified that they actually aren't the right people. And I certainly have experience, particularly in NHS Digital, very clever young man on the team where I was interim um, program manager for um, quite an innovative interoperability solution. And my advice to him ultimately was, would you like to take your strengths and use them elsewhere rather than just focus and be determined to be part of this team? And I gave him the analogy of here's the butterfly, he has the wings to fly, but let him use that how he would like. So he did transition from the team over. Now, that wasn't actually part of the business change, but as a leader, I was able to empower him and help him to identify his own capability and strengths, which he successfully used in another part of that organization. And I have monitored his progress, and he's gone from strength to strength. But equally as well, it can be about the language that's used. You mentioned earlier about clinician and patients, but also about the technical aspect. Um, you know, years ago when Bob Bochter um, webcast us in with Professor Joe McDonald and I was there listening to him, to hear him actually emphasize the need to translate the language amongst the different parties was huge. Now, my biggest Hollywood moment was when he liked my tweet supporting him. <laughs> so... Um, you know, this is another part of what business change is about. It it can be just a misinterpretation, a misunderstanding. And who's actually going to facilitate those conversations? And that's where I have been clearly a fundamental part to ensuring the clarity to move on to the next stage. And I like your description there, Hazel. Um, the I'm very visual. So as you were talking, I kind of had an image of, uh, tentacles almost where you're connecting up the dots and I think that for me especially in some of those big organizations um, like NHSD is is absolutely uh, crucial you know I, I, I myself found I needed to come out of the NHS um, to add more value and I have no doubt at some point I will return to the NHS or to, to government uh, because my heart is in, you know, wanting to improve services for, you know, for, for people. But um, you can't always do it in the organisation that you're in. Very true. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Um, and what about lasting legacy? So, you know, I, I think, um, and I've, I've probably, uh, I've probably done this myself before, but I have a lot of um, I'll have a lot of energy and I can convince people um, to get on board and come and do, you know, do something. Um, but what about the lasting legacy, you know, making that stick? Um, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, that's a very good question, Rachel. Um, quite, a, quite an interesting, unexpected one. So I guess really my experience of being brought in, whether um, it's, 
as a result of my own peer reputation or bringing in a team. It's about resetting and looking at what didn't work, which is why that I would be brought in um, in some instances or being at the very beginning. Um, from a legacy point of view, it's about ensuring that those foundations are set clearly and steadily, ensuring that people do know what exactly I mentioned earlier, what direction is ahead of them. It's Hazel really motivated us. Hazel really showed us another side and empowered us that we didn't know. Um, she's always smiling whether her message is uh, serious or whether it's very informal to get us on board. And I think once those components actually are molded together, yet again, that can actually uh, underpin the communication and the leadership and support those conversations in the analysis of the processes. Uh, one thing that I already have a reputation for is actually my technique in how I command and facilitate these roundtable discussions or brainstorming um, conversations amongst senior leaders right down through to the bee workers on the ground. I think that's a real a real skill. And I, I also think, you know, there's huge need um, to kind of create that, um, you know, that stickiness at the outset to make sure that things are embedded as, uh, as, as people move on. Yeah, and, and yet again, it's great to hear our alignment in, in thinking there, Rachel, for sure. And from a personal standpoint, Hazel, you know, what makes you want to drive change? Why do you not, st you know, sit with the status quo? Oh, this is where I get all excited and, and positively <laughs> jittery. <laughs> so I guess by nature, I'm a helper. I like to, to help. I like to just, people will say that in certainly in my private life and, and clearly that's why I chose to go down this route of, of um, you know, managing change or change management. Um, I love to see people empowered. I love to see them realizing what their capability to do better is. I like to see value from all of this. I don't like money being wasted when I see what can be done better from the beginning and how and what it, sh it should be. Um, that, will, that will always stimulate me to evangelize why managing change is so important. Um, why reinvent the wheel? It has been done before. Yet again, if leadership realise why change is such an intrinsic part of what they want to achieve on their transformation in their business to really deliver better patient care, then I'm going to stick at it. I really am. I'm a patient. My family's a patient. You, all friends, all of us, we're all patients at some point in time. And... We need to realize and be part of that change as well. It's not just about healthcare, it's about wellness. We have to 
adapt and change ourselves. So if that can be the other end of this change management and this digital transformation, we deserve to manage ourselves as part of that as well. And that's where I'm always supporting and looking at the other side of as well, looking at our own records, looking at our own data, that it's ours, why not, but equally as well, to be part of this innovation and to support the innovation that's coming through, which will continue to drive change with this precision medicine. I'm delighted to say I'm very engaged with the epilepsy um, innovation in Dublin, which is now getting more and more awards, which is part of the data and the genomic aspect of it. Um, you know, that feels seriously energizing. I'm smiling now. You can't see it to be part of it because it's it's we, phenomenal. We, we definitely hear it, Hazel. <laughs> it's phenomenal how these patients are benefiting it. I sat in the room in Dublin, St. James's Hospital, with their first meeting with patients and clinicians to hear both sides of the stories and the transition from pediatrics into adulthood and the journey that was planned for them. These people were seriously, seriously admirable in terms of the future that they have now to live their lives more normally rather than fitting every day. So lots of different things there. It's something I could really continue talking for a long time about. Why I, I'm not just one to sit back and um, accept the status quo, as you say. Well, I think the uh, the world needs more hazels. I'm uh, completely bought in. I, I share the same view. Um, in you know, and in way of healthcare, I think we we all have a personal accountability. Um, I, I think you know, I've often described the the health service as actually the national sick service because we engage with it when we're sick. Yet you know, uh, people haven't necessarily been accountable and taken accountability for their own healthcare. Um, a lot of the challenges we have in the NHS at the minute, um, you know, there's a huge amount of spend on, on people who are drink-related incidents in the NHS and, and uh, numerous areas where people could make different decisions. So their personal accountability uh, is important to me. And, and, you know, like yourself, the whole concept of owning my own data um, I like that data donor concept, um, and it's important to me that I have access to that data uh, and also that I try to improve my own data um, and therefore be less of a, a burden on the, on the health service. So I think we, uh, I think we have that in, uh, in common. Um, and, and a final question, Hazel, from a personal standpoint, um, you know, have you kind of have you undertaken a personal transformation? that you would like to share with us? Well, yes, yet again, interesting you say that. I posted a blog on LinkedIn about managing change and um, not quite the pink song, What About Us?, but it was What About Me? <laughs> and it was basically just a very short synopsis of the change I've had to make, um, both with family here and in, in coming to Austin in Texas. So different elements from... Um, the heat <laughs> um, and what that brings, believe it or not, 
bugs, many, many bugs and dealing with that. Um, yeah, it's probably well, that would put me off. Uh, well, yeah, you know, now I know in the house who's got arachnophobia or not. <laughs> or, um, and also as well, who's got the roach killers, and we won't go into that. Um, but so there's, there's that aspect also as well in terms of, you, had, you know, I found out I've moved, I've lived in Holland um, and I've lived here and obviously I've moved to England from Ireland as well. So moving, you have a choice of you sink or swim. And if you know from the outset, you have to adapt to what is presented to you. It's significantly easier. And that for me has been one of the most enriching things in coming to Texas. I went in with an open mind knowing that, for example, I have to say trash rather than the rubbish. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, so there's the language. Very, very interesting. We all speak English, but the language is very different. And I've also learned to be more humble than I thought I could be, thinking I was already humble. And that has enabled me to be invited into inner circles within health system, even within insurers here, um, within the whole ecosystem within Austin, to which I'm completely privileged um, to be part of. Um, and, and as a result of that, my network has absolutely exponentially spread and way beyond I'm delighted to say so change brings many different things and yet again as I say it's about embracing it I don't know what my final direction is here as I have my own plan imprinted in my brain and I hope accordingly that goes um, being a mom and a wife we have to multitask as well, you know, to make sure that all the pieces of the jigsaw fall in. So if anybody is interested in looking at that piece that I put on LinkedIn, um, please do. It's a new world out here, but I'm really serious, Rachel, about my invitation to you personally and professionally. They will love you as much as you would love us here. Famous last words, Hazel. I'll see you at the airport in about 10 hours. <laughs> I'll be waiting for y'all. Well, I listen. I really, really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you so much for joining us to uh, to talk about business change. My pleasure, totally, Rachel. I look forward to being in touch. Thank you. Bye.